0: Welcome back to the program. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I love you. I thank you. I praise you for the gift of the lives that you've given to us, for the gift of our faith. Lord, help us never to take faith for granted or take you for granted. Lord, we repent of our wasted time. We repent of our deeds that we've done in darkness that don't honor you. We repent for not being vigorous in the pursuit of living holy lives. Lord, I ask that you would give us the grace of reflecting on the end of our lives, reflecting on the final stages that we will go through in this life, and that we'd be able to live well today in the light of where it is we're headed. I pray for all of those that are um, hearing me right now who are in those final stages. I pray, Lord, for the grace of a happy and prepared death. Lord, I pray that they would be preserved from an, um, an unprepared death, an unprovided-for death. Lord, I ask as well that you would grant those who are—and Lord, any anxiety, any fear, any doubt that's in their minds, I pray that you'd wash that away. Lord, I also ask that you would um, grant a sense of uh, peace and compassion to all of those who are listening who have loved ones that are at the last stages of life. Lord, I pray that you would Use that time as a a precious gift, that that the time of caring for an elderly parent, an elderly grandparent, uh, an elderly family member, or a fragile family member near to death. Lord, I pray that you would grant special graces of compassion, special graces of, of care for those that are in those circumstances. Lord, we do love you. And we don't ever want to take for granted what you have uh, given to us in new life, but also in the share, even now, the foretaste in the resurrected life. Thank you, Lord. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, does it it feel like things are getting launched? It's feeling that way for me. This... This feels like it's, even though it's um, last week was like a full first week of the year, it didn't feel that way to me. It felt like there was a lot of like kind of coming out of the cobwebs of vacation and still in vacation and then uh, just trying to sort of get some basic things in order. This this week feels like it's a it's a week of getting launched. I don't know if that's the way it is for you. Uh, maybe it's, it's that way for you in terms of things like eating habits or in terms of um, other things. Uh, for instance, um, a little later today, uh, it, it, shortly after this you hear this program this morning, Carrie and I are going to meet and we're gonna go over our budget. <laughs> One of my favorite activities, if you listen to last Friday's program, we're gonna uh, lay everything out on the table and we're going to just sort of figure out, okay, where are we at and what do we need to do going forward? Um, good financial planning. That's a big deal. I, I mean, it's a big deal because the economy is changing. Well, it, it, it it's already changed in, in difficult ways for many people. And so being uh, clear about planning is a, it's a really big deal. So, um, So there's that. And then there's just this sense of um, life is is being on a journey, right? And that journey involves knowing um, where you're at. But you're really not going to know where you're at in the life of faith unless you know where you've come from and where you're going, your point of departure and your point of arrival. And it's, it's so interesting because when people talk about someone who um, dies, they, they refer to them as the dearly departed. But in Aquinas— Aquinas doesn't refer to the person who's died as the dearly departed, but as the, as the uh, happily arrived. Uh, they, they've arrived. <laughs> death is the doorway to arriving at your, uh, at your end point, not departing from this place as if somehow this is, this is the end. Yeah, of course, death is the end of our living here. But it's not the end of uh, you know, the of the ultimate place where we are intended to find fulfillment. You, you know this, right? Because but what that means is it, it takes what that heavenly perspective. It takes that perspective of living life on earth in the light of heaven. That way, when we get close to the the time of death, there won't be that sense of fear, terror, avoidance, uh, denial, um, uh, clinging to this life as if somehow, um, letting go of this life is, is somehow, um, the, the worst thing that could happen. Even though in, in so many instances, right, where, when we're at the, at those places in our lives, or we see loved ones at those places, they're in a very diminished state. And, uh, in that, the fragility, the brokenness, the, the, the multiple, the difficult conditions that, that can be piling up on each other is, um, it makes life. You just say, "Why? Why are we clinging on so hard here? Death is not a threat. Death, death is not a threat here. It doesn't have to be, especially for those who live in the light of faith." So, well, that that's my that's my wind up for um, the the theme of today's program. Father Darren Connell, he is the Vicar General of the Diocese of Spokane. He is also the Rector of the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lords. Um, here in um, Spokane. It's a beautiful church with amazing music, just a, just a lovely church. And uh, it's one of the churches that when we first, um, when we first moved here um, three and a half years ago, we found ourselves going to the cathedral um, because of the number of faith-filled families that were there intentionally living their faith, the beauty of the church itself, but also the, the, the glorious liturgies that, um, that were presented there. Um, and then also to Saint Joan of Arc uh, with the traditional Latin Mass, and again just full of families of faith and the reverence of of the traditional Latin Mass, and rediscovering or recovering or for the first time a sense of the traditional um, liturgy. So both of those places uh, were amazing gifts to us when we when we first arrived, and I think to, to many many families who make that journey, right that that sense of journeying and um, and. I know that in January here, I'm in touch with a lot of families who are in that place of now discerning again. Discerning uh, is a time for a journey, a bigger journey, an uprooting journey and making a move. And again, if that's ever something that is of interest to you, I would love to walk with you on that journey, even just a, a Zoom meeting or a phone call. It happens to me regularly, and I would love to be able to help you and discern what is the right way for you to shepherd your family. What's the right way for you to lead, provide, and protect your family in a time that's dark and getting darker, in a time when it takes heroic efforts just to, help to live an ordinary faith? It takes extraordinary efforts to help our kids live an ordinary Catholic Christian life of faith. It's statistically, it's just true. Culturally, it's obvious. Societally, it is something that continues to move away from a Catholic Christian vision of life. Um, we are thrilled where, we, where we've ended up. And again, if that's something that you're discerning, please reach out to me. You can go to my website, drtomcurran.com, and just, you can reach out that way. Um, but I want this to be a source of encouragement for you, wherever you are discerning on your journey. So, today, on the program, uh, I invited Father Connell to come on. One of the things that dioceses will do, um and this happens across the state, is they'll they'll put on end of life seminars where they'll cover the variety of themes that um, we ought to be thinking about, you know, like a living will and what what are the directives that you want for your medical care, as well as what about what about your last will and testament? What about your estate? planning? What about um, where will your body be buried, right? So that uh, there's so many of these issues that are worth prayerful, thoughtful consideration, and, and the church provides insights into these things. And so uh, I've asked Father Connell to come on because they're having an end-of-life seminar uh, at the um, Immaculate Heart Retreat Center here in Spokane on Saturday. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at dr drtomcurran.com. Dr well, I Well, and welcome to the program, Father Darren Connell. He is the Vicar General of the Diocese of Spokane and the Rector of the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lords. Welcome to the program, Father Connell. Thank you much, uh, very much, Tom. Father, I I really enjoy the fact that I get to be in this seat talking with you because normally – uh, on some basis here, I get to see you when I'm sitting in the pew and you are there presiding and preaching at the cathedral. So it's I, I feel like I, uh, I, I'm i in a different role now and I kind of got you here. So I don't know how you feel well, about I, that, Father.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that because uh, in that other setting, I have to do all the work and now you today you get to do all the work. So that's <laughs> great.
0: But if I do my job well, it's going to be at least an equal lift here. Okay, Father? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We, we will see. Yes. Uh, by the way, I did appreciate very much your homily last week. We were there at the cathedral on the, on the solemnity of uh, the, uh, of the mother of God. So that was, it was a wonderful blessing to be there. We felt like uh, on that solemnity, what, what better place to be, but in a church dedicated to our blessed mother.
1: Right. No, I, I, I agree. It's, it's a privilege to be here. And uh, the, the fact that the, that feast coincided with uh, the patroness of, of this parish is, was great and a great, privileged to be able to talk about uh, why we as Catholics have such a deep devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and and frankly, why it makes so much sense. It just seems very, and you remember, just very uh, um, understandable that we, we have a relationship with Mary in our Catholic family as we have uh, with all of our family members.
0: You know, Father Carl, I wonder, did you ever like connect a sense of the, the Lord brought me to the role I have at the cathedral because of my love of the blessed mother, or conversely, because the Lord brought me into the role of rector of the cathedral of our lady of Lords, he intended me to nurture or deepen my own relationship with the blessed mother.
1: Yeah, that's a very uh, good question because um so when I was ordained a priest in 1992, um, uh, I had uh, three holy cards for my ordination. The first was a poem about the priesthood. Uh, The second one was an icon of Jesus Christ and whose priesthood I share. But the third holy card that I was inspired to use was that of the Immaculate Conception of of Mary. It was Maria's Immaculate Conception. And, And again, I was 26. I hadn't had any assignments or anything, but I just felt drawn to use that holy card of the Blessed Mother under the title of the Immaculate Conception. Well, interestingly enough, in uh, 1994, uh, tragically, the priest who was the pastor in Colville uh, was killed in a car accident. And uh, I, as a newly ordained priest, was, you know, next in line to go, and I was sent up to the parish in Colville. And the parish in Colville is under the patronage of the Immaculate Conception. So it's Immaculate Conception Parish, in, in Colville and it's satellite is pure heart of Mary in Northport so uh I guess from early on in, in my priesthood I've had that that, that uh, sense of the Blessed mother being with me and 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 having that special relationship with her fast forward to uh 2011 I I uh, was finishing my time at Missionwide Seminary I, I frankly didn't want to uh, and I I didn't want to come to the cathedral. I bishop at the time said wanted me to come to the cathedral, and I I didn't feel particularly called to do that, or uh, I I had my eye on another parish, frankly, Um, And uh, but it it didn't work out. And as I look back on it now, it really was providential. I love the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lourdes. I love this parish. I feel very privileged uh, to be here. And uh, I'm going to pick up on the theme of the Immaculate Conception because remember that uh, Our Lady of Lourdes, she identified herself to Saint Bernadette at the Grotto and Lords uh, when she said, "I am the Immaculate Conception." Uh, and so I've had that—I think—that providential guidance of the Lord, and hopefully, you know, uh, I've been able to lead other people to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We have our our novena uh, coming up, beginning on the third of February, to Our Lady of the Lords, the Lords Novena for healing, the nine days here at the cathedral. Again, leading people. Uh, to Jesus, through the prayers of Mary, prayers specifically that have to do with with all kinds of healing, physical, emotional, spiritual, or the healing of relationships. So that's a long answer to your question, but uh, she's certainly been there. And I, I think Mary has a special relationship with priests. Uh, that's one of her titles, uh, Mater Clary, Mother of the Clergy or Mother of Priests.
0: Well, and Father, uh, that a beautiful answer. I love it. Uh, I had the blessing of interacting with mother Teresa and she had a chance to sign my uh, breviary and the way she signed it. And I I think it's probably your typical way of signing. It was be only all for Jesus through Mary, be only all for Jesus through Mary. And that it, there's something very powerful about that, that somehow the blessed mother is going to help me or foster in me that sense of a total giving of oneself to the Lord is, and do you find that that's the case in terms of helping Catholics grow in their relationship with Christ?
1: I do. I, and I, I think, again, I go back to a, um, uh, kind of a a real family experience. Um, My um, I remember many, many years ago, my uh, maternal grandmother I was a teenager, I think, and 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 she wanted me to reconcile with someone, and I didn't want to do it. And she said to me something that I'll never forget. She said, "I know you don't want to do this, but do it for Grandma, okay?" Well, you know, when your grandmother, your mom says, "I want you to do this for me," you cannot say no. And I, you know, unless you're a psychopath or something, you have (laughs) we, we as sons have this relationship with our mother that when mom asks us to do something. We do it. I mean, if my mom came to me today, and she does sometimes ask me things that I oh, don't, you know, I really, you know, I don't have time for that. Or I'm, you know, okay, mom, I guess I'll do it for you. I, I like to think of that uh, that dynamic that goes on sometimes with the Blessed Virgin Mary and her her divine son Jesus. That you know, she goes to her son and says, Jesus, do this for me. And so that we take our prayers, our cares, our struggles, our sufferings in this valley of tears, we bring them to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Trusting that she goes to her son and says, Look, I need you to do this for me. And like any son who loves his mother, it's gonna happen.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's that's it's one of those mysteries of our faith where um the truth that you just shared, Father Connell, is something that people don't get it until they experience it. It's yeah, not just like you learn it in a class and somehow it becomes real. No, no. You really don't understand what it means to to have the advocacy of the Blessed Mother for you, for your family, for your spouse, for your children, for life situations until – you give the Blessed Mother a chance. Give her a chance to be with you and to present you and your situation right into the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I mean, we we're recording this on the on our first Friday on the Feast of the Epiphany. I mean, there's like, a, well, the 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 day, the traditional day of the, of the Epiphany, and there's just so many like Marian themes around here and connected to life and death. Um, so I I want to kind of push us forward a little bit because you're here, Father, uh, to talk about an end-of-life seminar that is presented by Holy Cross Cemetery, and it's really about are you prepared, end-of-life workshop planning for your spiritual and corporal needs, um, and that's happening at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center on the South Hill of Spokane. Um, Father, I want to uh, enter into that by going back to your ordination, believe it or not. So here you are, you spend these years in the seminary being formed to be a priest. You're imagining what my life will be as a priest and and those things that are highlights, those things that are the top of the mountain for you. When you were preparing, praying, um, getting yourself ready for ordination and then being launched into the priesthood, did you have any... Uh, thoughts or insights around the idea that you would be walking with people close to death and be involved in them around the realities of death?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I um, I have very uh, clear memories, especially of like the first year or two of my priesthood, of being called out. I was at St. Thomas More. As, that was my first assignment, uh, St. Thomas More Parish on the north side. And I got called out uh, to a fairly rural place in the, in the middle of the night, this man needed, um, was dying and needed uh, the last rites of the church. And I, um, I anointed him, and I, uh, and then there's a, a prayer of, of commendation in, in the ritual, uh, that is just beautiful. It talks about, you know, go forth from this world, uh, meet the angels, the saints, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Christ, and it, it um, it's a beautiful commendation. And I remember feeling this way at the time. I thought to myself, wow, in in a matter of minutes or hours, this man is going to take his last breath and pass from this world into the next. And having received the sacraments of the church, he passes into the arms of Jesus. And I remember feeling, and I've had this more than once, just a little jealous. I thought, wow, he gets to see god uh in just a short while and so um and i've had that experience uh, more than once uh and and sometimes uh, often uh that sense of believe it or not a jealousy for a beautiful death in in with with the with the sacraments of the church with jesus coming to us at that dire moment with his full power as god preparing us to pass from this world to the next it's it's beautiful
0: Hey, this is Dr. Tom and the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Again, I'm talking with Father Darren Connell, the Vicar General of the Diocese of Spokane, as well as the Rector of the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lords. Today on the program, and we're here to talk about Christian death and dying as part of an end of life seminar happening this Saturday, folks, January the 14th from 9 until noon. It's just the morning, 9 until noon at Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. And it costs $0. It's free. And it's very informative and involves a number of topics with a number of speakers. Father Connell is one of them. Um, Father Connell, talking about Christian death and dying, I've heard it said, and I've experienced it just once or twice myself, that as you approach the end of life, the veil that separates heaven and earth thins. As you approach the end of life, the veil that separates heaven and earth thins. And yeah. you as a priest have a chance to draw close to many people near to their moment of death. Have you had that sense of sort of the glory of heaven or the presence of God or something that makes you like realize earth is not all there is? It, 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 has that Does that speak to you at all? Yeah, I, I
1: uh I guess the the change that's come over me in the course of my priesthood is this. When I was a young priest and I got on an airplane, I I I didn't pray, you know, as we're taking off. Okay. Because I thought, look, I'm 28 years old and perhaps there was some arrogance in this, you know, Lord, I want to be your priest, you know, perhaps you need me. And so I got my whole life, my whole priestly life ahead of me. So I, I didn't say when I was taking off again, some people might be scandalized by that, but uh, that is what it is. <laughs> now, however, uh, and for probably a decade or so, when we're roaring down that tarmac, I lay my head back and I say, "Lord, please grant us a safe journey," because I know that at some point I too will have to take the, my last breath and pass from this world to the next. So I've had, uh, you know, uh, a greater sense of my own my own mortality as we've gone through. Uh, as I go through my priesthood in 2015, I think some uh, people know, I know my parishioners know that I was diagnosed with cancer and uh, thanks be to God, we I got through it and, and um have of a new, new normal in my life. But the last thing that I did before going in for my first major surgery, I went to my office, I cleaned off my desk, I pulled out my last will and testament and I placed it right in the center and then I was taken up to Sacred Heart Hospital and it's just that sense of, I just had the sense of, wow, I mean, my mortality, it, I, I've dealt with other other people's mortality for years. It was really kind of the first time when I dealt with my own mortality that one day I too am going to go through this mm-hmm. and I need to be prepared spiritually and, and and temporally. And, you know, since that time, I, you know, and we're talking about the workshop. I have my, my, uh, all of my uh, funeral planning done. Um, Uh, All the purchases have been made, the casket. Uh, I have planned my funeral mass. The gospel for my funeral mass uh, is going to be uh, the the gospel about Dismas, the the good thief, where on the cross, one of the thieves blasphemes Jesus, and the other one, who is guilty and deserves what's happening, says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we all know that our Lord turns to him and says, Uh, This day, I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. What person who's dying doesn't want to hear those words from our Lord Jesus Christ? That's all I want to hear at that time is, is, this day, I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. What a beautiful sense of consolation coming over. And it's not pleasant. I mean, you know, oh, the agony of death sets in, and you get to hear those words from Jesus. This day, I assure you, will be with me in paradise. And so that's part of my funeral liturgy planning, and I have my plot at Holy Cross. As you come into the the gates of Holy Cross Cemetery to the left, there's a section for all of our diocesan priests. And I'm going to be buried right next to our priest that some of your listeners may know, Father Eugene Glott, G-L-A-T-T. Father Glott was a rural pastor in our parish, probably one of the most humble men that I've ever known and I caught, when he was a senior priest status, he worked for with me at uh, Bishop White Seminary as a spiritual director and confess, confessor, and he died while I was there. I'm kind of privileged to be right next to him, and then and then I right next to me are the two senior priests who live with me now. So Monsignor Pearson will be buried next to me, and next to him, uh, Father Tracy. So Father Tracy, Monsignor, and I are all, obviously all still alive, but one day our, our bodies will be, will rest at Holy Cross uh, together and um, just that, that 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 also brings me a sense of peace that my brothers, when we served with and were my friends, are, are also now with me in death.
0: Yeah, Father Connell, I, I boy, it's really powerful what you just shared. But you also you went down to a place that's very practical, very pragmatic, uh, and it's something that um, uh, maybe a lot of listeners haven't really pondered and, and thought about sufficiently. I think that. This Saturday coming up again. it's it's on the sixth uh, on the fourteenth of Jan- on January, from nine in the morning until twelve noon. Again it's just three hours. it's free. It's at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. Not only will Father Connell be sharing beautiful insights into death and dying from a Christian perspective from our perspective of faith, but what about the practical things like advanced health care directives it, with the advances in modern uh, medicine and technology, The idea of having advanced healthcare directives is a real thing. And so Father Ratuiste is going to be speaking on that. But what about a living will and estate planning? These are very important foundational matters. And Martin Weber and Peter Moy are attorneys at law, and they're going to be sharing some key insights into that theme, as well as, well, wait a minute, The, the Lord has made me a steward in my life of my time, talent, and treasure. But what about with my death there's a legacy that i have the potential to leave and do i just want that to to happen apart from my expressing my will in a will and so chris is going to be talking about that uh, he's the executive director of stewardship and development for the diocese. and then very practical things like you mentioned uh, father connell you know the gospel at your um at your at your funeral i know my first reading my first reading is from the Song of Songs. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. For see, the winter is past, etc. Uh, yeah. I, I just get that's so moving to me. Uh, so the Catholic, what what is it? What is your funeral going to be like, etc. As well as where will you be buried? Do you not don't you want to be buried on consecrated ground, sacred ground? And and I don't I don't think Father that a lot of Catholics think sufficiently about that for as simple a reason as do you know when you're buried in a Catholic cemetery that there are masses that are being said there for the repose of the souls of the souls that are buried there? And I don't know about you, but I want masses said for me after, after I die and where I'm buried, I want to be buried on consecrated ground where I know that the faithful are coming to pray where masses are being said. That's a big deal to me. So those are, that's just some of the, the content that's going to be shared this Saturday on the 14th um, from nine until 12 at Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. Again, that's in on the South Hill in, in Spokane. So Father Connell, I just shared a whole bunch of topics that are going to be covered there. You've been part of these, um, these end-of-life uh, work seminars. Talk a bit about what you find as some of the big ahas that happen for the folks who attend.
1: Sure. Well, one of them is one of the big ahas would be actually, um, frankly, the process of dying. And this is where Father Rattuiste comes into play. Uh, he's our uh, diocesan um, biomedical ethicist. He has a special degree in biomedical ethics, and he blends you know, the science with our belief as a church to, to help us, uh, if you will, to die well. What do I mean by that? I, I just saw a, uh, well, we know the church is teaching about the need to die a natural death, that we don't want to hasten it, we want to prolong it. And my struggle with it, this is a personal struggle of mine, is um, I, I, and again, I'm not, uh, this is just me personally, I, if people want to do this, fine. I don't have advanced directives other than to say I have, I have designated people who are going to be able to make medical decisions for me. Why is that for me anyway? Well, you say I don't want any, you know, give me what, give me nutrition and hydration, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if my body? I'm at the very end, and my body can't process that, and I'm, you know, frankly, I don't mean to be morbid, but I'm, I'm swelling up. It's causing excruciating pain. You know, in that in that case, I want someone like a Father Red Twister who says, no, no, let's not do this. It's it's extraordinary means to try to keep someone alive, and so. Uh, my point is that uh, as we see advances in me- medical technology, we're living longer and longer and longer. And there's a balance that has to be struck between letting someone go to God, you know, and hastening that happening.
0: Uh, Does that make sense to you, Tom? Oh, it makes such great sense. And yeah. and it's one of those things where like the first talk, the first theme um, which is yours on Christian death and dying, it, it frames everything else. So um, it was just over five years ago that my mom died. And she died uh, pretty suddenly, it was just a few months, um, brain cancer, a number of tumors, there was just nothing to do. And, and so she went downhill quickly, it was very painful for her, um, the the manner of her decline. And it there were a lot of mercies involved in it. But one of the big um, one of the big obstacles to unity in my family, and my family is a family that has been brought up and lived a Catholic faith, was the way that we related to my mom's death. And the way that I would put it is this, is that for some of my family members it was really really hard for them to let go as quickly as 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 was being required because of her medical condition and so here's how I'll put it death was a threat that that my mom's death was somehow this big threat to her and and i was in the midst of like a very challenging like unexpected we have to deal with this kind of reality to be able to process no, wait a minute. Death is going home. Death is becoming free, finally, fully healed of her condition. That the fact that she might die, the fact that she is dying, isn't only seen as a tragedy. No, there's there's some glory that's going to break through here if we if we can have the faith to permit it. So that where does that reach a bottom line? Well, it reached a bottom line in advanced healthcare directives. Like, what yeah. do we do to sustain my mom's life? So absolutely, and- I know very personally, the way in which discussing these things, being aware of these things, and being able to establish in writing for yourself, what path do you want to take as your life is declining to be able to bring that out into the open and have that be clear and clean is a real gift to the family. Yeah,
1: absolutely i that's that was going through my mind as you were speaking that that's precise well that's perhaps one of the most important reasons we have these end-of-life workshops so that we while we have our mind and our, our our full control of our will and our faculties, we can make it clear to our to our loved ones to children to grandchildren what are our intentions because the worst thing that, that can happen in death and i've seen it many times when there's ambiguity uh, about all of these things because ambiguity has a way of of tearing off old scabs of, of, of family controversies and, and dissension and all that. I mean, uh, death, the whole dying process, death, funerals, have a way of of reliving or, or opening those wounds that exist in many families, uh, in many of our families, sibling rivalry, children, whatever it is. And so it's a tremendous gift for us to be very clear to those who, who are coming after us what our intentions are and to say this is what we want uh this is what I want and if you love me you will you will follow my my will for this uh and it's maybe not the most pleasant thing to contemplate but it is a tremendous gift to those who are who come behind us uh and again especially I think with the whole regard of the, the medical directors because for heaven's sakes, so that's a terribly difficult decision for the person who has that to make when they don't know what the will of the person is uh who is dying and so yes i agree with you 100% that it's a a, a great gift to those who who come who come behind us
0: this is uh, it's father darren connell who's talking with me today he's the vicar general of the diocese and the rector of the cathedral of our lady of lords here in spokane and talking about this end-of-life seminar coming up this Saturday, the 14th, from 9 in the morning until 12 noon at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. Folks, if you haven't been out to the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center, I really encourage you to go. It, the grounds are beautiful, and there are an amazing number of retreats, days of reflection, and other special events that happen there get to know this incredible gift this real jewel in the diocese of spokane the website is ihrc.net ihrc.net immaculate heart retreat center.net in fact if you were listening to sound insight you heard yesterday a program with father wade menises who is coming out in just a couple of weeks to offer a re- a weekend retreat at the um, there at um, at Immaculate Heart Retreat Center, and then um, later this month, I'll be interviewing. Um, I'll be interviewing Father Puthoff. Is that how I pronounce his last name? Do you know remember. that I he's don't. a Jesuit leading a retreat on uh, discernment. As well as Sister Mary Eucharista, people we all love Sister Eucharista, Uh, and she'll be leading a couple of days of of silent prayer coming up at the end of the month at Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. So there are many beautiful, powerful events happening there at the retreat center. Uh, Father Connell, do you have any? uh, Do you have a favorite memory of a favorite event retreat that you either were on or led out at the retreat center?
1: Well, I I've been out there many many times and I've had many many positive experiences. I um, I'll, I had one uh, one I would share that I uh, I think it's a good idea for all of us at some point to make a, a what I call a life confession, or I think we you know where you just in prayer and and without being um, you know scrupulous or neurotic, but to just spend time in, in prayer and and to come up with um, a good honest look at your life, and uh, you know that stands out for me when I when I did that uh, again it's. You know to go back to when you were age seven to over well, old now and, and try to pull out those offenses against God and reflect on his love and mercy and then to go to confession um, uh, that's a powerful thing and and I um again it wasn't always the it wasn't the easiest thing for me to do but I it's a part of my my history with Immaculate Heart I also am very pleased with uh and it came about really I guess, it's a reflection of the paradox of the cross. It came about through bankruptcy uh, that we had in our diocese some time ago, whereby whereby, um, Holy Cross Cemetery purchased land from the retreat center to raise funds for that whole process. Well, uh, at the time, it seemed to me to be, I guess, kind of a practical necessity. But as I go out there now, it seems to me to be a perfect fit. So you're at the retreat center. You're reflecting on your relationship with the Lord, celebrating Mass, and then you go for a walk. Everyone goes for a walk on a retreat. And the walk that you can go on at, at Immaculate Heart is you walk through Queen of Peace Cemetery. And there is buried there, uh, amongst other people, Monsignor David Rosage, the founder. Oh, really? Of, yes, uh, Monsignor is buried there. Uh, the founder of, of Immaculate Heart Retreat Center, 1958, I believe it was, and there he is, and what an appropriate place for him um, uh, to be there. And then you go around and see people. I, I, as a priest, see a lot of people up there whom I know and a lot of names. But this is the, I think this is the point, and this is the the true gift of the merging of those two ministries, is that, um, and we don't reflect en- enough on this as our society. Um, we don't live for this world. Uh, we one day in, in in god's own time we are going to we're going to die and that's not a that, that's not a that should that's supposed to not be a, a scary thing or it's just a natural course of what it means to be a human being we're born into this world and we're born into eternal life and while wow, what a constant reminder that as you're praying your retreat or think, reflecting on your talk you you're walking to the cemetery and you cannot again help be confronted by your own your own mortality and what that's going to be like and how to prepare for that how to be prepared spiritually and and, and temporally uh, for that so it's just that i guess the marrying of those two ministries which was done for practical reasons and financial reasons and all that really turned out to be a, a grace from god which which he often does is that out of suffering and difficulty he he brings uh, goodness and redemption and i think I don't want to be too overly dramatic about it, but I think I think that happened with the, the the kind of the marrying of those two ministries of retreat ministry, and and ministry of caring for those who have died.
0: Yeah, it, it's. Uh, it, I remember the first time that I was there. I think it, I I had a chance. Was was Monsignor Rosich there in the late 1990s?
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I was a pastor in Colville uh, in 1999, and I think we had a he and I had a conversation on the phone. Ah, uh, because he was preparing to retire, and uh, we we're just talking about that transition, and 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 so I think he he stepped down in around nineteen ninety nine, uh, from from Immaculate Heart, I, and I don't remember when he died, but I don't think he lived much longer after that.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny because I um I and I, I want to make sure I'm not making up a memory, but I went out. I came out to speak at some event there at the retreat center in the late '90s, and I think I met him because I think I was a little starstruck um, no. you know, when I met him uh, because of all of his writings. And um, and so I I I am I think I am remembering something correctly. Then good.
1: Yeah. He had, well, you certainly remember correctly that he was a prolific writer. He and and in his day, of course, you know, prior to the Second Vatican Council, one of the blessings of the Second Vatican Council. Is that I think it helped us capture uh, the power of Scripture in, in all that we do and say and are in the liturgy and everything. And if you remember some of his his writings, and perhaps all of them, all of his spiritual books, which was somewhat avant-garde for the time. Now it's de rigueur, but then uh, he would he he often reflected on the Scriptures in his writings, whether it was on suffering or, or joy or giving or, or, or suffering, whatever. Again, whatever it was. It was his reflections were, were sown with, uh, with the scriptures, with quotes from the scriptures, with a reflection on the scriptures. Uh, they're very heavy on the scriptures, which set him apart from some of the spiritual writings that would have happened immediately before the Second Vatican Council. Um, and that was his, one of his great contributions.
0: Well, I remember uh, "Follow Me" was I think I don't know if that was his most famous yeah. uh, things, but those daily, the sort of the daily guide, and then he had a right. book on Mary. I think it was like praying with Mary or something like I that.
1: Think, I think you're right, praying with Mary, and of course that Mary. came from he uh, Bishop Topol appointed him to be the director, first director of MacIntyre. And um, it's not, and I suspect again I didn't know Monsignor Rossage well, but I I suspect that he shared. Bishop Topol's devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, because uh, Bishop Topol was well known for his his love of Mary, and would have no doubt, you know, promoted and and, and uh, given certain assignments to men who, who also love Mary uh, in a special way. Uh, which, yeah, which I'm sure, sure is Monsignor Rossage, and yeah. so at, and and the retreat center is named after her as well.
0: That's beautiful. Again, I'm talking with Father Connell, and we're reflecting a little bit on, right here, the gift of Immaculate Heart Retreat Center that's hosting the End of Life Seminar happening this Saturday, and it gets you thinking about issues around the end of life. So, Father Connell, you were talking about some of the pressures that reach families as, as the time of death approaches and how it's great to be clear in terms of advanced care directors and a living will. But then if there's another place where, let's say the brokenness of families can show up and contentiousness and difficulties arise is after death, what happens to the estate? And so being really clear in uh, a will, in estate planning, and in just the idea of, do I want to leave a legacy with the, the wealth that has been entrusted to me? that i think is again that's a gift to give to kids to to the children that remain behind um even though it might not be an easy one for them to always receive
1: yeah no i i agree uh, and again clarity uh is so important about what what does the what does mom want to pass on what does dad want to pass on uh to the children in, in in very specific ways and hopefully in ways that in my mind that are that are equal and and uh but because when that's not done again if even if the family's somewhat close uh sometimes families will fight over 5 mi- $5 as they would for over 5 million and so that clarity is helpful there but but another part of this is and i think this is one of the values of the end of life workshop is you know the importance of as we leave our legacy as we give back you know what god has given to us to include in there some uh legacy for the church. So uh, be, why? Well, it's a great, uh, it seems to me, it's a great lesson to the the surviving children of of kind of, it keeps the values in proportion, you know, so instead of giving everything, the lake house, the 401ks, everything goes to the kids, why not give 10% to uh, the person's parish, St. Anthony Parish off of Northwest Boulevard, you know, and it's a sign to the kids, yeah, um, it's great that we get all these nice things, but, oh, yeah, Mom loved St. Anthony's. Mom was so faithful at St. Anthony's. Uh, it, it only makes sense that we would we would honor that parish and her relationship with Jesus by supporting that, by making a legacy for future generations to come, to experience the same thing that uh, Mom experienced. And, again, I, I I go back to the parish first and foremost because when people do this, they often, you know, Think of their their college, you know, Zag University. They think of their, the, you know, perhaps a, a particular charity, Catholic charities, whatever. All that's great, um, but I, I I think I think about the vast majority of the nourishing uh, of that person's relationship with Jesus happens at the parochial level. It happens in the day in and day out worship and, and care and fellowship and community at the parish, and so. Uh, that's what we encourage people to do. Uh, certainly, leave whatever charity you'd like, but but I think first and foremost to to think about leaving something uh, a legacy to the place in which your relationship was was regularly nourished.
0: You know, Father Connell, I uh, let me uh, let me say how meaningful it is through talking about my dad. So um, at the parish I grew up in in Massachusetts, um, the tabernacle. Is something that my dad um contributed to. And oh. when he goes to church there and is able to pray, he is able to like he talks so meaningfully and in a moving fashion about the fact that he's connected to Christ's home here on earth, um, in in the in the tabernacle and and just loves to tell the story, right? It, it and it's one of those things where You know, it's kind of, um, you know, the Psalm, how can I make a return to the Lord for all the good he's done for me? Sometimes we don't always pay attention to or think about what has the church, my parish done for me? Baptism, confirmation, first communion, confession, uh, all of the sacraments, marriage, funeral, all of those spiritual gifts that are literally priceless, literally, just literally priceless, how do I not share some of that is not something that is not priceless, but is valuable—the the wealth that God's given me to enhance the beauty, the glory, the 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 the, the address the needs of a uh, of the actual parish that has been such a blessing to our lives. It it makes so much sense, but again, it's not something that I think is often talked about because it's connected to the theme of death.
1: Yeah. I, when you were speaking there, the word that popped into my mind uh, is the word gratitude. And it seems to me that an end of life workshop really should, uh, really should the hermeneutic or principle for understanding an end of life workshop is gratitude, that that I'm doing all of these things in terms of my planning because I'm grateful for what I have, what I've been given, who I am. And I, 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 and it's out of my gratitude that I want to, you know, do this planning and express what my wishes are. Uh, it's gratitude to my parish. You know, we spoke earlier about the Blessed Virgin Mary and her intercession, and, you know, how many of us, and I'm, I'm as bad of, of this as anyone, I, I ask her to pray for me a lot of the time. I don't know if I'm always, I don't know if I always say thank you. In fact, I know I don't, to be honest with you. And so, all of this, the, the virtue that seemed to me that's swirling around here uh, during our conversation might be, might be identified as the virtue of, of gratitude.
0: I like that being a grateful steward, right? That the Lord heals 10 and 10 lepers, only one comes back and we're the other nine. I don't want to be the other nine. Um, And I I was thinking of in the gospel of Luke, where, you know, if you're going to go plan to to battle against that other army, you better make sure that you've got what you need to fight that battle and come out victorious other get, 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 to terms of peace. Right. I think that a lot of Catholics, we don't come to terms of peace around our own death or around the death of our loved ones because of a fear of death. And I guess I want to end with where we began, which is your presentation, Father Connell. Again, Father Connell is going to be uh, presenting this Saturday, 9 to 12, at Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. Folks, I'm sorry if you're on the West Side or in Yakima, you're not able to access Mm -hmm. this. This is free of charge. It is at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center on the South Hill of Spokane. And um, there are all kinds of themes, advanced health care. Yes, you want to understand that. Father Ratuiste, living will and estate planning, a couple of Catholic attorneys. How do you leave a legacy? Chris Kresslens from the diocese will be here to help you consider that, as well as the Catholic funeral process. And where will you be buried? Is there sacred ground? And why would you want to consider Holy Cross Cemetery or Queen of Peace Cemetery or other uh, cemeteries that are Catholic and available, a place for you and your loved ones to be? Get those things settled now. But underneath it all, around it all, is that hermeneutic. Is that how do we approach it? How do we see it? And that's the Christian approach to death and dying. So, Father Connell, in, in the last few minutes that we have, I'd love to just hear you share um, some thoughts that might provide, a again, a Catholic approach so that we don't have to, out of fear, avoid thinking about that reality.
1: Yeah, Um i guess what how i would like to do that is i, I guess i come back to the issue that that we, we don't live for this world um we live for the next and just to be honest about that uh is important and that all throughout our lives that we are uh that we live god has a plan for us uh, he has a purpose for our lives and that we always keep our eye on the prize and if you, if you don't mind i don't know if it's appropriate or not, but i I have this prayer from uh, Saint John Henry Newman, Cardinal Newman, uh, who wrote about, uh, I think, who captures very well um, this concept of, of of living to the end and and praying, uh, you know, to, to to reach the end in safety and and then in glory. I'd like to end, if that's appropriate, with this prayer, if you don't mind, please, because uh, I, I think it sums up um, uh, what we're trying to do. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. O Lord, support us all day long of this troubling life, till the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then, Lord, in your mercy, grant us a safe lodging, a holy rest, and peace at the last. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom, very much.
0: Father Colonel, that was beautiful. I love that prayer. It is just, it's so moving. Uh, And just that idea that this is not home. Heaven's our true home. And we should not fear death. There is a sting, but the spirit of the risen Lord lives in us. The risen Lord lives in us. And, And so having peace, having a sense of joy that we can move towards death with a sense of a hope for fulfillment that waits us on the other side. So Father Connell, he, again, you're going to be with him if you can make it out to Immaculate Heart Retreat Center this Saturday. It's free of charge, folks. Be there. It's uh, presented by Holy Cross Cemetery. Are you prepared? The end-of-life workshop with Father Connell, Father Ratuiste and others. Father Connell, thank you so much for being very generous with your time today.
1: God bless you. Thanks.